praises each and every one. This is Apostle John Morton. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Apostles Corner podcast. Today is February the 24th, year of our Lord 20 and 22. Today I would like to speak with you about a very vital element of our walk in life, not only in Christianity, but in life itself. Many of us say that we have faith, but my question to you today is where is your faith? Without a revelation of what faith is, we may walk out our entire life never truly understanding what faith is. But today, I'm going to help you come to an understanding of the meaning of faith. Let me start by saying we know that faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, but knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt comes only by the Spirit. When you turn up a cold bottle of soda, do you need faith to assure you of the satisfaction to come? If you've been driving an old car that always gives you trouble, every day it doesn't want to start, you tend to pray with faith that it will start. But when you buy a brand new car, do you still have faith that it will start? Or do you rest in the assuredness of what you know? If you truly hope for something and have no tangible element to encourage that hope, then faith is that element. Substance of that which as of yet is not. The time card hanging next to the clock is evidence of a deliverance to come. But what if there's no job? The way to be made is evident through the revelation of the Spirit. But faith has two ends. Faith has a foundation, and then it's a transition thereof. Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There's a foundational amount of faith that every man has access to. It's funny how often we read God's word and we receive knowledge of the truth, but we never come to the revelation of it. I need to make something very clear. In order to transcend to new levels, there must be two present elements. Truth and revelation. We so often get the truth of a thing, but too often we never reach the point of revelation. You say to a small child, don't touch that. It's hot. The knowledge of the truth has been brought forward. Now that child eagerly reveals that uh, to others by pointing and telling everyone that enters the room. Hot. But not long after that child has got the knowledge of something being hot. The truth overlooks all that he has learned and moves too close to the source of the heat. Now the physical perception of the heat has given him a greater ability to understand through revelation of the fact. Through knowledge we obtain the measure of faith, the measure But that faith grows through revelation of all things that are true 
to God. What we find in Romans 12, 3 is the very thing that was made accessible to that child when he was told not to touch the stove. The measure of faith. It was just enough for him to make a decision as to which way he would go. Within every man is just what he needs to accept Christ upon the revelation of his promise. But he still bears the ability to forego the truth. And in them that retain the truth, that small measure of faith warrants the revelation of the spirit that becomes a growth process. So many of us speak of the greatness of our own faith. But let's look and see just how great it really is or isn't. In Matthew 8, 5, and 10, correction, Matthew 8, 5 through 10, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, he came unto him, a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word unto me and my servant shall be healed. My servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Now with that in mind, let me ask you a question. How many of us, while standing in the presence of our Lord, would turn him back from coming to our place of need? I've heard the word spoken over the pulpit, Lord, we know that you are able, but we need to see a move of your hand. Our very presence in this life is a move of his hand. The elements in the universe that remain intact is in fact a move of his hand. While facing the dangers of the sea, Paul set forward a word that draws the line between common everyday Christian faith and the latter day sons of God. In Acts 27, 20 through 25, it reads as follows. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God have given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, I believe God, that it shall be even as he told me. Many speak of belief, when really all they have is faith. You see, faith is something to hold on to until the manifestation of that which we hope has come to pass. But belief is the element that commands that we already be subject to that which we do not 
as of yet even see. In Acts 28, 3-6, Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. There came a viper out of the heat and fastened to his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he have escaped to see, yet vengeance suffer not him to live. But Paul shook the beast off into the fire, and he felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said, truly, he must be a god. Do you see how in verse 4 the people that watched Paul were without doubt subject to the laws of nature? And they believed them. But Paul believing God could only respond to what he knew. And that was, God said. Therefore, in verse 5, we see the actions of a man that was either ignorant or knew something that no one else did. Now tell me, being truthful with yourself, in the moment of your own fiery viper, viper trial, what do you see yourself doing? In the midst of your ministering the mercies of Christ, the viper catches you unaware. The eyes of them whom you declared, his glory are now upon you. The spirit that was compelling you in your words is still present, but do they still see him? Or maybe you've been distracted by the laws of life fact that there's poison pulsing through your veins. Wisdom says seek help, but reality says there is none in timely reach. What do them that are among you now see in this space and time? that there's nothing you can do but believe God. Do the people see one that prays diligently in faith for, for deliverance? Or do they see one that never skips a beat, assured by an ongoing belief in what the Father has spoken? Belief needs not to be spoken of. People see it. The question is, what will you allow your faith to, re to reach its point of transition into wholehearted belief? This is when we become evidence of the glory of God among men. The men who watched Paul knew only of pagan gods and of none that would empower anyone that followed them. So they witnessed these things and they could only come to the conclusion that Paul himself was in fact a god. When in reality, he was evidence of the glory of God among men. We have been called to these same proofs. But the lack of evidence continues to hinder us. Remember in the beginning of the message I told you that we spoke about revelation and truth being the two factors for elevating to another level. There must be revelation and truth. Well, our failure to adhere to believing God is what has hindered that growth process. Paul warned us in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, that the presence of carnal desires would hinder us from growing to where we could digest the greater things of God. And even today, the issue that he spoke of still exists. Why? Revelation, but no acknowledgement of the truth. Too many go beyond the bounds to proclaim their allegiance to the works of the fellowship rather than the design of the Father. Are we not one church, one Lord, one faith, one hope, 
one calling? This is why the word of God declares that the fivefold ministry must remain in full effect, even today. References Ephesians 4.11. Regardless of what some desire to believe, we have not come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Just as Paul, them that believe God does what God says. They are first subject to the leading of the Spirit, not only in them, but in whatever Spirit-led leadership that God has proclaimed in their lives. You have to believe for a whole lot more than just your own selfish desires. You have to believe for the saving of many souls, the fulfillment of His will in the lives of all Christianity, and the unfolding of all the great works that He claimed would follow us. Unfortunately, the simplest but hardest one for us today seems to continue to be our love one for another. Reference scripture John 13, 35. Our shortcoming as a whole is rooted in unbelief. Faith must transcend into a level of wholehearted belief. Or we end up where Paul placed us in Hebrews 5, 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have become such as having need of milk and not of strong meat. It's time for us to stop basing not only our faith, but our belief upon the directives of God and not what we, what we desire to ch or choose to accept. This is an issue of monumental proportion. And it's far more than I can address in this message. But let me give you an example of self-structured faith. The daughter, this is, happened with me with someone I met in Ohio. She was the daughter of a senior in Christ. She called and asked me if I'd be able to look at her mother's car. She made it known that several mechanics, including the dealership, were unable to isolate the problem. After 15 minutes of driving, it would cut off and wouldn't start for an extended period of time. Being one that believes that the full purpose of my life is encompassed by God's order, I stand strong in the fact that my knowledge, regardless of how great, cannot uncover the unseen. So on the trip over, I prayed, Father, as I set my hands to this task that I have endeavored to do many times, let me not trust in my own intellect, but reveal unto me the things according that are already known by the spirit of truth, which thou have sent into my life. Reveal unto me the issue of this matter, that I may glorify thee. When I arrived at her house, I, I lifted up the hood and I began to look around for any obvious irregularities. And then I heard a small, still voice whisper, look. My response was, where? And my hands were led as I reached under the distributor and pulled down on the wire harness, forcing the wires to stretch out of the boot. And there it was, cracked wire insulation. When the car got warm, the boot would soften and the wires would arc, cutting the car off. After re-insulating the area, I asked the owner to take a ride with me and we were off. But the whole time she chanted, it's going to cut off. I know 
It's going to cut off. Nobody can fix it. After 35 minutes or so, her words turned into, I can't believe it. You fixed this car. When we arrived back at her house, she continued to say the same thing with amazement. You fixed that car. You said you would, and Lord knows you did it. I looked at her in the eyes and said, Mother, what you need to understand is that when I knew the depth of your problem, I prayed and declared God's revelation of the problem. I didn't do it. Give credit to the Holy Spirit. He fixed it. Now listen very close to her response. Oh no, you fixed that car. I sat here and I watched you with my own eyes and you fixed it. I love the word of God as long as it's being taught as I have come to understand it. But you fixed that car. She said she loved God and that she loved the word of God. She declared the, that Proverbs 3.56 was just a line. How? It's found in what she said. I love the word of God. Let me ask you a question. Can the word of God wake you up in the midnight hour with the directive to call someone right now? Someone who's in the midst of hardship that you knew nothing of? The word of God does, in fact, support and reinform, reaffirm and confirm the action. But the guidance came from the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27 is a reference scripture for that. The word of God is, in fact, milk. How can something so powerful simply be milk? It has all that is needed to develop the spiritual palate, establishing not only its ability, but also discernment of what is spiritually digestible. All you have to do is swallow it. But too often we want to remove the ingredients that we don't agree with. What if you took the calcium out of milk? The element that strengthens the digestive system enough to receive meat has been removed. Hence, the child will become, will continue to be able to digest nothing but milk. This is what we do when we take away from the word of God. We remove its ability to strengthen our spiritual digestive system. Hence Hebrews 5.12. In this state of mind, you lack acknowledgement of the full power given unto the sons of God. You therefore tend to walk with a trust in your own intellect. You lose ability to seek the spirit in reference to things that you think you understand. Because you already know all about it. That's exactly what the Jews thought when they crucified the Lord of glory before the mystery that was hidden in Christ Jesus was revealed. Let me give you a good example of digesting spiritual meat. The offering time had come about. The woman in question ran a daycare center and had had her pay of $1,600 in her purse. As she reached for her tithe, she heard, Give all unto he who has given all. When the pastor informed the, was informed about this large contribution, he knew it couldn't have been anybody but her. And when he asked her if she would be all right financially, she told him, I have to be. 
I did what God told me to do. And he responded with, you have no idea what you delivered us from. The church was in a financial situation and the pastor had received in prayer that God had already taken care of what was his. But more than 70% of us would have just choked on that piece of meat and spit it out. Spiritual meat, the revelation of God within your own spirit, things that surpass your understanding and can only be received where there's true submission to the will of the Father. Know that these revelations are always pre-supported by the ordinance within his word. If the pastor had not gone, if the pastor had not grown to digest spiritual meat, he would have attempted to burden the people for the debt. But God told him it was covered and he swallowed it. The word of God without revelation of the spirit can be a dangerous thing. Through his teachings, we are obedient unto sacrifice. By our, our own faith directive, we turn it all to benefit our own need. 1 John 2 and 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things. And it's truth. And is no lie, and even as it have taught you, you shall abide in him. This one verse shows us that there is no excuse for the lack of evidence that we have given unto the world as a whole. But there's a reason. Take a walk through the corridors of your heart. In how many rooms have you found factors that hinder you from transcending into wholehearted belief? Factors that the spirit of truth has given you a clear revelation of, but still you have not come to accept. Factors that have kept you in a word without spiritual revelation perspective. And last but not least, factors that have kept you abiding in a space just short of the inner sanctum of his guidance. Where is your faith? If faith is the substance of things hoped for, what is it that you hope for more than anything in this world? I want to believe that what you does hope for in the depth of your heart is that the will of God be fulfilled in the world around you beginning with yourself. And if that's what you have faith in, you can count on your faith being in something that must come to pass. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. If your hope is that the will of God be fulfilled in the world around you, beginning with yourself, the substance is there, and the substance is you, because you're walking it out. It's the evidence of things not seen. You don't see the, the will of God fulfilled in the world around you because we live in a dark and perverse world. But you are evidence to the fact that it is because it starts in you. I remember watching a Paula White broadcast and in a message about faith, she says, some of you need to get up and go into that Lexus dealer and a woman went bananas. 
Her faith was not in the things of God. Her faith was in Lexus, her ability to acquire for her own gain. Where is your faith? Is it based on the things that are in your mind, in the lust of your heart? Scripture tells us that the heart is wicked above all things. Who could know it? That's why the word tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness so that we can be righteous in the endeavors of our heart and not be taken by the fleshly heart. So many trust in things that are short of the power and the authority of God. We look at the dark and perverse world that we live in and we pray, command, and declare that we're going to give America back to God. But that's not what the word said. It spoke about how the wickedness of man would come to be. Narrow is the gate and few are they that will enter in. But unto those of us who walk in a fullness of faith as a revelation of the presence of God in the earth, we are the light that will draw many. My question unto you today is where is your faith and do you truly believe in what you have faith in? The scriptures say, judge no man by what he eats or by his Sabbath, but let every man be fully assured. Whatever it is that you're putting your faith in, whatever it is that you're believing, whatever it is that you're walking with a trust in, be ye fully assured. It'll either be fulfillment, you'll be assured unto salvation, righteousness and deliverance, or assured unto a place of condemnation. But it all begins with you truly understanding, where is your faith? This is Apostle John Morton, and this has been the February 24th of 2022 edition of the Apostles' Corner Broadcast. May the grace, mercy, and favor of a God of all creation rest upon every endeavor of your home in this day. Everything.